You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing leaders in the church and the wider culture. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing the best of these conversations, plus some brand new ones as well. It was leadership expert John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. Some have massive influence through their role as a leader of a church or business, a charity or a family. Others have influence in their neighbourhood, a network of friends or through leisure interests. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. Jesus promised his first followers that they would be fishers of men. And he's still leading those who come to him and choose to follow him to do the same. Men and women reaching men and women. And one young man who took this to heart when he first came to faith is now influencing a generation of Generation Z men and women to reach their generation for Christ. His name is Jordan Whitmer. He's the founder of the How To Life movement. And he joins me on The Leadership Show together with Josie Galopin, who's the UK National Director. So it's my joy to welcome Jordan Whitmer, who is the founder of the How To Life movement. Hi, Jordan. It's an honor to be here with you today, Andy. And also uh, Josie Galopin, who's a second year student at Regents College near uh, Malvern in Worcestershire. Hi, Josie. Hello. It's so, good to be here. Great, great, great to welcome you both. So we'll, we'll have conversations with you both as we explore this How To Life movement and uh, the way in which the, the, the Gen Z or Gen Z generation are being impacted for the gospel. So Jordan, just to, to you, first of all, you were the founder, was it some eight years or so ago? Yeah, so eight years ago, uh, back in 2015, when I was uh, 16 years old, uh, growing up in the U.S. state of Arkansas, I really felt uh, a leading from the Lord to uh, do something more to reach my uh, friends and my community for Christ. I uh, I'd grown up in a Christian family with parents very passionate and that are uh, ministry leaders and missionaries and uh, and, and grandparents that are uh, very active in ministry. Grandfather Ron Hutchcraft, who's done a lot of ministry work over the years, and now. Uh, uh, but I wanted to do something to help reach my own friends uh, in my generation. And that led to the starting of an event uh, in my community to share the gospel. And uh, uh, it started with just a few of us praying around my dining room table and turned into uh, a, a team that planned an event that had over 750 people attend. And we called this event How to Life. And uh, uh, just talking about how to live your life and, uh, and, and Jesus being the answer to that. And uh, it was all student-led, so this event, no one was on the stage that was not a teenager, actually, which was amazing, and uh, uh, it was students reaching students, given how much kids will listen to their peers, and uh, we had a wonderful event. The Lord showed up, and uh, and about 75 young people who made a commitment to Christ at this student-led event back when I was in high school, and, uh, and this became the first of what uh, now has been, uh, long story short, over 
uh, 125 How to Life movement events that have taken place across uh, 25 U.S. states, but then six countries around the world. Uh, the U.K. Uh, uh, being uh, our biggest country outside of the U.S. that has really taken heed to this, as well as Germany, France, Mexico, and Canada, uh, where there have been a lot of local students stepping out saying uh, that they want to reach their community for Jesus and play at a student-led event and initiative uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, they want their friends to know Jesus. And uh, it's really powerful when student-led things start. And we're really trying to feed into that and help equip teenagers uh, and young 20-somethings around the world uh, in uh, many different countries, different continents now, and then also specifically in the UK uh, as, as an area of major focus for us as well. That's terrific to hear, Jordan. And so, Josie, you heard about this and you've got excited as well. Yes, Wooden paid me to get to my college and then just jumped on the How to Life train and here I am. So what was it about the movement that kind of attracted you? I think it was a real emphasis on young people reaching their generation. Um, I think that's really important. And who else knows how to reach their generation better than yourself? So, yeah, I just thought that was very important. I think this this principle of students reading students is, is fantastic. I, I used to be part of a, a movement, a student movement called UCCF or uh, InterVarsity Fellowship, of course, in the States, um, where you know, students to student ministry. Uh, so I was a staff worker, but I, my job was not to do the job. It was the job of students to do the job. And of course, I was a student once myself, hoping to, you know, as best I could do the job. So I think it's a fantastic uh, thing to be trumpeting um, and triumphing, not least, of course, because these days it's sometimes deemed that students are incapable because they are too immature and they need uh, older, quotes, wiser people to, to do the job for them. Um, Jordan, clearly you, you wouldn't disagree with the need for wisdom, but you as a, as a youngster yourself uh, clearly saw the value of being student-led. Yeah, no, exactly. When when I uh, when I was young and sixteen, I uh, recognized that fact of how much teens and young people, uh, Gen Z or Gen Z, uh, listens to their peers, and uh, and that was really a major part of what we wanted to do. And and like you said, like not that the wisdom of uh, older uh, adults uh, is is bad. In fact, we very much want to see that and very much promote and are uh, passionate about helping the older generations find ways to uh, have breakthroughs with uh, reaching to young people. But uh, for the idea of evangelism and the idea of uh, uh, trying to help reach and inspire people, uh, including uh, even Christian young people who maybe are kind of on the fence with their faith, trying to figure out what exactly following Jesus looks like for them, it is very powerful when they can come to an event or an outreach or even just encounter something that is led by uh, youth. As we're having this conversation, of course, there are uh, students in Asbury in Kentucky, a mm -hmm. college there, who seem to be part of something. Some people are using the words revival. Uh, I understand you visited that, and without that dominating our conversation now, I'd just be interested in your perspective on, on what's been going on. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's very relevant, deeply relevant to this conversation. I uh, had the privilege to uh, to go down the the Saturday after 
it started. So this was still very early on. It was within the first 100 hours of this revival or uh, move of the Lord that I was able to show up. And uh, I uh, it, it, it started on a Wednesday uh, as just a chapel service uh, that went long. Uh, and it went long because of students. Students led uh, this ongoing conversation and, uh, and, and it just didn't stop. And as of this recording, it still has not stopped. And uh, it's been amazing to see. Uh, it initially really was a localized student revival of students on the campus of Asbury University in Kentucky. And, uh, and then just the word got out through social media and through encouraging things. And from my showing up there, I know some people are skeptical, like, what is, is this revival? Is this breakthrough? And, and, uh, and, 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 and a healthy level of skepticism is, is valid and very important. I, I have that myself. I'm very much like, mm, what's going on here? But now by showing up, I know I was so encouraged in that piece just to see such a Christ-centric time of people seeking after the Lord, wanting Jesus to change their life, prayer and repentance, which are both key factors of revival uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, was wonderful to see in people just wanting to get clean before the Lord and to have that life change. And now also, as of right now, there's more uh, campuses around America, uh, particularly Christian schools around the Midwest and the South and even the West, I think, uh, and maybe even the Northeast. I hear a lot of various stories of, of, of universities trying to uh, have chapel services and pursuing revival and uh, wanted to just see if God can break through. And so it's really special what God's doing. And it shows how the Lord likes working through young people and through the hearts and lives of uh, people who want to see uh, change in our world for the gospel. And those who observe revivals and the more recent times, say the Toronto Blessing would be one one time in, in recent decades. Um, sometimes there have been phenomenon that have associated that, sometimes laughing or crying or um, behavior that seems a bit unusual. I understand this one hasn't had that kind of connection to it. Yeah, no, there it's been, uh, from what I saw and from what I've heard, it, it, it very much has been very, very much just focused on Christ, on, uh, on Jesus. And, uh, but th there's definitely been, there's been healings that I've heard of. There's been, uh, uh, people that have been uh, delivered from uh, evil spirits that apparently just came out. There's uh, some powerful, uh, deep, spiritual, uh, Holy Spirit-led stuff going on there that uh, might be a bit, uh, yeah, it's, it's been very amazing to see. There, there's, there's a lot of breakthrough stories of that, and then just repentance and seeking after the Lord, worship, and uh, uh, and. Uh, definitely some powerful renewal uh, taking place. So th there's been some really fascinating, fascinating uh, uh, steps taking place there. Well, if we could move into sort of talking a little bit about the leadership of, of this kind of movement and how you cooperate with God at, at such a time, uh, Jordan. Um, the, the, just to say that the Generation Z, if people are listening and wondering, uh, I understand people born between 1997 and 2012 was one category I've seen. I don't know if that's roughly what you're working towards. So, so someone who's aged around 15, 16, up to 25, would that be the kind yeah, of work? Yeah, we, we, we really focus on uh, c currently because of just the way that the generational 
boundaries have been set. We work with, we say it's a Generation Z, Gen Z ministry, uh, but uh, quickly uh, the younger generation, uh, which uh, has been being called Generation Alpha, would be the one following Z. Uh, that includes a lot of young people who, or that would be like uh, younger, like, like younger children right now. Uh, anyone that's currently being born, the babies being born are Gen Alpha, and but Gen Alpha is getting older too. So the 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 focus though is that this is a these generations coming up are very unique. They're growing up in an era of social media and technology. We have kids growing up on iPads and iPhones and social media and a whole host of new problems with uh, today's young people that previous generations maybe didn't have to this extent and uh, uh, and spiritually being the most so. In the U.S., the statistic from Barna is that only 4% of Gen Z American teenagers would hold a biblical worldview. That's one out of every 25 American teens would really know what it means to follow and live for Jesus uh, in that sense. And, and we want to see that change in America, and we want to see that change throughout the West and see that change around the world where there are often similar trends of uh, wanting to see spiritually because there's so many, all the statistics are bad with Gen Z, mental health statistics, anxiety, depression, suicide. Uh, there, it's, it's, it's discouraging some of these studies coming out about teenagers today, but uh, most certainly, which you know, would be the spiritual uh, tone studies. But the good news is that there's some good news <laughs> stories come out too, that young people are open to the gospel. I've heard stories about both in America and in the UK that young people are maybe more open to faith than some of their parents' generation uh, have been. And they're open to conversations about Jesus if they're uh, not hostile conversations, but genuine and focused on the needs that people face. And and that's good to hear, meaning I view that as a prime example of the harvest being plentiful, uh, but we need more workers to go into that harvest field, especially of the next generation. So for, for a movement to carry on for eight years and for you to have founded it, there comes a point, I guess, when you as a leader or the founder have to kind of let go. Did you have that sense that you knew that for this to become big, you were unable to control it? It has been a very unique balance of trying to both incorporate as an organization uh, where we are in the U.S. We're a not-for-profit charity organization uh, uh, based in the U.S. officially with that. And uh, I'd be the founder, CEO of the organization that helps serve, though, these groups that are stepping up around the world. And early on, I was involved with pretty much every aspect of, of the events helping guide, coach, train. I was I was the speaker evangelist at kind of all of these early events that would preach the gospel and uh, and give an invitation of sorts for young people to respond. Uh, and uh, But even early on after we just had our first five events and then I turned 18 and then from that point on, I started, I stopped being the main speaker, pretty much stopped in general speaking at these events and uh, making it where we'd empower local students to be the ones that they were the ones sharing the gospel. They were the ones doing all the speaking, all the teaching, all the uh, stuff on the stage. And that was probably be the biggest move that I've made and kind of as an 18-year-old retired uh, into more of a just senior leadership role. Certainly church leaders and to some extent Christian parents are very nervous about giving young people uh, opportunities, sometimes letting them off the leash. They're fearful of them getting the, the message wrong or sometimes of introducing methods that maybe not appropriate 
Um, Josie, have you had good uh, mentoring in this field as you've been growing up or have you found something of a frustration? Um, personally, I think I have had good like mentorship in um, this area. I think my church and like my parents were very much like they I guess they just trusted that I love Jesus and that I read my Bible and that I guess to some extent that's kind of all you really need is the love for Jesus and to show people that love um obviously there is guidance and a practicality to it but you know, you have to let young people at some point step up and take the bat. And otherwise, you're going to find a generation who actually doesn't know how to show others who Jesus is. And I think that can be quite dangerous and more damaging. Um, so I guess just praying um, and trusting God will give them that wisdom um, because that is the one thing if we ask, God would never refuse not to give us wisdom. Um, so yeah, I think it's really important to remember that. Thank you. Um, Jordan, you've hinted already that uh, your movement is about obviously sharing the good news of Jesus. Um, give me an idea of the kind of approaches you take. Are we talking uh, messages from the front? Are we talking long worship services? Are we talking music, uh, multimedia type of things? What Give me a kind of picture of the kind of things that groups might be doing um, to, 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 to reach their peers with, with the gospel. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it it definitely is a little bit of all of the above that you mentioned. And uh, typical how to life evangelism outreach event is going to be uh, somewhere between two and three hours long, and consists of a program that has some music and worship, uh, as that, that is always uh, a good core element of the event. Helps focus people on uh, on the Lord uh, that night. And we really, every testimony is supposed to point people to, uh, there was a turning point in my life where Jesus changed my life and then, and just trying to help really make a big deal of Jesus and the difference he's, how he's changed our life. And, and then that all culminates. So the gospel is hinted at that and also pretty much clearly shared throughout the whole night through the stories and through some messages. Uh, but then at the end of the event, we do have a clear gospel presentation where we invite people that night that uh, maybe if they haven't uh, had a moment in their life where they've uh, fully surrendered their life, committed their life to Christ, uh, to to God, uh, we want to give them a moment that night to do that. And uh, and then we uh, we share the gospel. We try to walk people through some level of a prayer, not that it's magic words or anything, because it's not, but we, we want to uh, have a moment of repentance where people can respond. And then depending on the context of where we are, sometimes we will have a bit of a, like, you're, you will invite people to either come forward or come to the sides or go meet with a prayer team person um, or fill out a card, thing, things like that to try to have an actual way for people to respond and we want to be able to follow up with young people who uh, respond uh, but we definitely depending on the culture the area the city the place uh, and then the vibe of, of what's going on that night uh, will determine how exactly we do it but there is a clear invitation a clear gospel presentation where we talk about what jesus did for us we talk about the cross we talk about repentance 
uh, and we uh, share the gospel clearly, what it means to have a relationship with the Lord. And, uh, and we really want people to uh, find Jesus that night. Uh, and one of the challenges, of course, for, for any group like yourselves is is the follow-up dimension, the uh, connection with, with local churches. I don't know how that's uh, part of the program. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we really intentionally work with local churches to do these events. We, we, we don't want to be doing this outside of uh, the local uh, church on the one hand, but on the other hand, uh, evangelism and mission often does happen by prioritizing outside the four walls of the church and trying to invite people who might not typically step foot in a church. Now, often these events do happen at churches just because it's a good venue choice, uh, especially in places like England where uh, churches are usually very uh, well-centered, uh, becomes a good um, place to do an event. But uh, we look to invite people from uh, around uh, the community uh, to attend in, uh, in, in that sense, but uh, and, and try to get churches on board, youth pastors to help promote uh, to their young people to bring their youth groups as a, as a, as a major focus. And, and the goal is to help build up the Gen Z, Gen Z Christian community in an area so that if someone comes to faith, we look to plug them into a local church community and family they'd be involved with. Uh, and, and Josie, as you um, reflect on a kind of a UK dimension and a Western Europe dimension to this, uh, have you had any thoughts about uh, whether you imitate the same sort of model that Jordan's uh, been describing or, or doing something slightly different? Um, yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of house life events in the UK that have kind of followed the same structure. Um, and I think they work really well. Um, I think the only thing we were a bit anxious about was doing actual like proper altar calls. Um, because for some reason, Brits are so reserved. Um, I don't know why. Um, but at one event, we actually like asked young people to like come to the front. And I think we had like 15 um young people give their lives to Christ and like to see that was like incredible because you know the fear of man was completely taken off and yeah so I think what you know the structure of how to life does it I think can work in the UK and I want it to work in the UK um so yeah fabulous and um you're based obviously at a college up in in the Worcester area uh, there are other people dotted around the country who help to to run the UK expression of this. Yeah, there are heaps of people. Um, maybe realize how many Christian young people there actually are in the UK. It, literally all over, from like Liverpool down to Cornwall, um, in Kent, even in the Midlands. There's so many young friends who inspire Christ and want to see their villages see Christ, which I think is really interesting. That's fabulous. So as we kind of wrap this up, I suppose that we're looking at what would the next actions for some of our listeners might be, if they're leading a church or it, obviously it, people listen to this from across the world. So it's not just UK. Uh, there's, uh, you know, some 25% of our downloads come from the US, Jordan. So, um, you know, that's uh, <laughs> your, your neck of the woods. So they presumably go to the How To Life website would be the first connection point? Yeah, so if you are from the UK, if you're from the US, if you're from anywhere in the world, any country, 
uh, and you uh, are interested in getting involved or learning more about this How to Life movement ministry, uh, I would uh, invite you first off to uh, to visit. Uh, yes, we do have a website, howtolifemovement.com. Uh, Instagram, if you have Instagram, is the best place to reach out. Uh, if you send us a DM, a message, uh, it's our at How to Life Movement is our name on there. Those have a TikTok page as well. But uh, Instagram is the best place to reach out. If you have a question, if you want to learn more and get involved in some way, maybe you are a student or a young person or Gen Z or maybe a ministry leader, and you're like, hey, we should do this in our city, in our town, uh, in our area, uh, in our borough or wherever, like send us a message and we would love to talk with you. If you're from the UK, we also have at How to Life UK is our specific UK page. Uh, that Josie and some others help manage. And uh, we use that to uh, facilitate this conversation as our, our our hope for the UK is that there be more and more young people that step out wanting to reach their cities and areas. And as Josie said, it's amazing that there are so many young people actually all over the nation in the UK that are wanting to step out. There's not tons, but there's way more than you'd think. And it's been encouraging to see them step up and be unleashed in this. And and then, uh, and then globally, anywhere in the world, uh, we uh, have conversations actively now with people on pretty much every continent in the world. So besides Antarctica, maybe someday, but we're trying to help young people uh, all over the world reach their cities, reach their countries. Send us a message. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you, uh, no matter what it is. If you, especially if you are Gen Z or if you know someone in Gen Z, uh, we're excited about what God's doing in our day and age. Well, my th- my thanks to both of you for for sparing the time and for sharing what is a thrilling uh, movement, and uh, excited to see what happens next. So, my thanks to Jordan Whitmer and to Josie Galopin. Uh, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. It was great to chat with Jordan Whitmer and Josie Galopin. Jordan's surname is uh, Whitmer, W H I T M E R, and Josie's surname Galopin, G A L O P I N. And it's great to sense their enthusiasm, of course, for reaching their generation for Christ. And maybe as you listen to this, maybe your challenge for reaching young people could be solved if you'd only trust the young people that you know to reach them. Maybe with appropriate mentoring and with support, guidance, they could be actually spearheading reaching their generation for Christ. There's a thought. This is Andy Peck, your host, thanking you for joining us today and looking forward to the next time. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine.